Hello, I'm Martin. And I'm Angelina. And this is the CX Cast. Welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to talk about the sixth priority in our CX leader priorities, which is measure CX performance and prove the ROI. Now, if you've listened to the other episodes, if you haven't, go listen to them. You'll know the priorities are things like establish, fund, and scale your CX function or design experiences that drive loyalty. And we came to these by going out and talking to you CX leaders around the world and asking, what are you working on? What's keeping you awake at night? And we synthesized the answers into these six priorities. And we've architected our content around define, which is what are the models, apply, which is like best practices, processes, et cetera, and accelerate, which are the tools and the frameworks and the kind of spreadsheets and things like that that you need to implement this stuff. So today we're going to talk about the measure CX performance and prove the ROI priority. And I'm joined by VP Principal Analyst at Forrester, Maxi Schmidt, and Principal Analyst Pete Jack. So hello, Maxi and Pete. Hey, thanks for having us. Hello. So let's start with why. I mean, it's probably obvious, isn't it? But why is this a priority for CX leaders? Job security. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be flippant here, but um, uh, customer experience measurement is the thing that helps people paint a picture of the quality of experiences, which is like super important for customer experience function. How well is customer experience going? And if you do the program well, it also allows you to link customer experience to business outcomes, and it helps you to figure out how to improve experiences. That's the really important role that measurement plays. It just brings some discipline and accountability to the CX function. And when we think about what CX is all about, we often share with our, with our clients kind of three key questions that the whole measurement program is intended to answer. And uh, Maxie's kind of touched upon these. Certainly the first one is how good is the quality of our customers' experiences? Kind of tied to that is how can we improve the quality of our customers' experiences? And really, most importantly, out of the three, and what leaders will be most interested in is how will our organization benefit from improving our customers' experience? So again, that's really the foundation of the measurement framework that I expect we'll talk about a little bit. But again, really the raison d'etre for many of our CX leaders. Makes sense. And I'm glad you said framework because those are really big questions. Even, Maxi, when you said connecting CX to the business, it feels like it can be two very different things we're talking about. So how do we even start to make these connections? We have an answer to that at Forrester, which is a framework that we suggest people in customer experience use. We suggest that people in customer experience adopt two big tasks tracking customer experience, and then enabling people in the organization to do something with the metrics. And that framework is really helpful for that first task because it helps you understand what you need to measure. And specifically, there are three different types of metrics that you need to measure. You need to understand whether customers feel good about their experiences. We call that perception metrics. You need to understand what they do as a result of their experiences. Are they buying more? Are they recommending you? Are they leaving? We call those outcome metrics. And you need to understand what happened during the interactions to make them feel the way they felt. And we call those interaction metrics. Think about wait time, for example. So you can see how this is already quite a broad spectrum of metrics, but that's what helps you answer the three questions that Pete just talked about, right? How do customers feel about the experience? How can you improve it? And why does it matter to the business? But you don't only measure these three types of metrics. And here's the, here's the thing. This is actually a three by three, because there's also the levels at which you measure customer experience. Many of you are probably familiar with this, but we see lots of people measure experience at the relationship level. How happy are you with company X generally? 
we also see many people measure experience at the touchpoint level. How was that call? And those are two really important levels at which to measure customer experience. The relationship level often is predictive for outcomes. Like I really love all my stays at Hampton Hotels. And based on that overall perception, I'm going to go there next time again. Or I thought this person on the call was really super, but here are some things that they could have done better, right? That's why it's really important. So the relationship is predictive. The touchpoint measurement gives you really good ideas of how to improve the individual touchpoint. But in the middle, there's a third lever that, or a third level <laughs> that is often undermeasured, and that's the journey level. And that helps us to understand how these different touch points come together in the minds of customers to inform their perceptions of overall journeys, like becoming a customer or having a complaint, buying something, whatever that journey is, right? And these three levels, relationship, journey, and touch point, are the second part of the framework. So three types of metrics, interaction, perception, and outcome metrics at three types of levels, relationship, journey, and touchpoint. That's the measurement three by three that we highly suggest you use. And if I can add, one of the things that we often find in our conversations with clients is that that journey level that Maxi described is usually the one that gets the least amount of attention. And in fairness, it is the most difficult one to really get a good handle on. It requires a lot more in-depth work conversations with customers, really thinking from their perspective. In fact, oftentimes in conversations with clients, we'll hear them talk about a journey, but they're discussing the journey from their perspective, perhaps like the customer life cycle, as opposed to the way Forrester defines a journey is what's a customer need that they're trying to fulfill? Why did they reach out to engage with you for this particular period of time? And that period of time is important because in defining a journey, it really does probably cut across a bit more time than just a touch point, but not quite as lengthy as a relationship. And again, the thought is, what is that customer trying to accomplish that they'll have an endpoint and say, yes, I finished what I set out to finish, or maybe I wasn't able to finish, which in and of itself raises some really useful insights for an organization to say, what's stopping this customer from being able to accomplish what they need? So all three levels important. I think the most opportunity for many organizations is to continue developing their programs at the journey level. So the, the three by three model makes a lot of sense in terms of it's a framework for where we put all these measurements, but where are most organizations? I'm willing to bet that most of them don't measure all of the nine boxes, or if they do, maybe it's still very immature. Yeah, so broadly speaking, journey level is the least measured. We've asked customer experience professionals who are responsible for measurement in VOC that very question. I think about 85, 81 to 85% measure at the relationship and touchpoint level. 56-ish percent measure at the journey level. And then when you look at the types of metrics, something that probably doesn't surprise anybody at the touchpoint level, most, most, most programs measure interaction metrics. How long did somebody wait? What was this time? What was that time? What were the arrows and perception metrics? And at the relationship level, the most measured metrics are perception metrics and outcome metrics. That's where the NPS fits, for example, right? NPS is an outcome metric. In case I didn't make that clear earlier, <laughs> NPS is not a CX quality metric. It's a metric of what happens after the experience. But that's what people measure most at the relationship level. But overall, when you look at this nine box, the most filled out column are the perception metrics. So perception metrics are most measured and at the touchpoint level, the interaction metrics feature as well, and at the relationship level, the outcome metrics feature as well. And unfortunately, many companies will think that if they've got good perception metrics at all three levels, then they're good. They check the box and say, hey, have a good, strong CX program, which they're equating their VOC program to overall CX, which in our view is not the case. There's a lot more to be done after you've gathered those metrics and more so than just a perception metrics, as Maxi just pointed out. 
So oftentimes our conversations with clients are helping them understand not only what additional values they get from these other metrics that we can collect in the three by three, but then now what do we do with them? How do they fit into the broader CX strategy and the bigger CX program that you should be running? Okay, I have to ask, are there any cool new metrics out there? Maybe a PSA, NPS 3.0 is not a thing. <laughs> I get that question sometimes. There are, there are people who embrace metrics that already exist more. There are lots of people who are super, super passionate about measuring ease. And I'm so glad because many experiences are, let's face it, hard. But this metric is not a new metric, right? We get the question often, Pete and I, we, we field a lot of these calls. What's the next best thing? We're measuring NPS, but what's the next best thing? And that is just not the right question to ask, right? The next best thing is the metric that mobilizes employees. It's the metric that's linked to business results. It's a metric that doesn't offend customers when you ask them the question. Like there's a few things that you need to be thinking about when you think about these metrics, where I think the actual next frontier is, is in going beyond surveys and using more data to measure perceptions. I'm not talking about interaction metrics. I'm talking about looking at how a person scrolls or zooms or looking at what people say to figure out, are they frustrated about an experience? That's really exciting. So that's the next best thing is data-based perception metrics rather than survey-based perception metrics. So if you want to talk about any kind of actual progress, that's where I think people should be focusing. And I will say I've seen a little bit of movement on the other end when we talk about the outcome metrics. Again, uh, as Maxi mentioned, NPS is a popular outcome metric for likelihood to recommend. And it is a self-reported and intentional metric, meaning that consumers, clients, customers are saying, this is what I plan on doing. And where we see more advanced companies moving into is taking actual customer behavior data from their records and saying, what did this customer actually do? A lot of times it's more pinned around what products did they own? You know, how much more money did they bring into an account or invest? Things like that, which are slightly more revenue measured. But again, we're seeing some that are starting to track, for example, are they recommending people? What are those specific behaviors that they're doing that benefit us as an organization? So it's relying less on these self-reported intended metrics and looking at actual behavioral data. Just to put that back into that context we just talked about, data about behaviors helps us understand what people do, right? And the data about how people go through certain interactions can help us also understand how they feel about their interactions. So these are two different things. I don't want us to just look at, oh, people have recommended, people have bought again, they must have been happy. That's not what Pete is saying. Pete is saying that we have new approaches to use more data for outcome metrics, the result of experiences. And I'm saying we also see there is a vanguard of companies who are using data to figure out how people feel about their experiences. That makes sense as well, because we've got years and years of data from our own CX index measurements that prove that emotion is the key driver of loyalty. And if we can understand customers' emotions, we've got to go beyond joy as an emotion and being superficial about it. That's where we can win. I'm going to ask a question I know we get asked a lot. B2B, B2C, B2B2C. Do the metrics change? Is there any differences? I see a lot of the same metrics in both B2B and B2C. I actually often recommend to not treat B2B like B2C because when I talk to some of the bigger B2B companies, they tell me about their online surveys they're sending to decision makers. And I ask them, would you send your wife or your husband an online survey about your performance as a spouse? You wouldn't. So in B2B, we, especially when we talk about really, really big clients, we have very embedded relationships. We have close relationships. We pride ourselves on these relationships. 
So we have to have a way to collect metrics that's commensurate with that relationship. So don't send that online survey to your spouse. Sit down over a glass of wine or whatever you want to drink, coffee, tea. The same goes for these companies. And we have a really, really awesome case study in front of the firewall about how Amdocs did that, how they are using different approaches to get metrics from clients to make sure that the way that collecting metrics doesn't diminish the relationship, but enhances it. And they're getting additional insights from conversations they have with their clients. So they actually don't send an online survey to their big, important clients. They talk to them. And that's one of the things that I've observed should be different in B2B and B2C isn't yet different. So I'm advocating for it. I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, the approach in terms of the framework, the types of metrics is the same across these different three. As Maxi mentioned, how you collect that data might be a little bit different. And also some of the very specific metrics may be a little bit different depending on the nature of the relationship and the organization. So for example, in a very complex relationship in large B2B cases, if you're doing a relationship level survey and you're thinking about what are the drivers of that relationship, those drivers may be very different if you're talking to the person in procurement versus the executive of your client company. So it's perfectly normal, acceptable to think about tweaking the survey instruments or the questions you're asking, depending on who your audience is, in order to get at what's most important for each of those, again, in a more complex relationship. Again, the approach is the same, whether you're talking about B2C or B2B or B2B2C, in terms of what information you want to try to gather and, and perhaps how you're gathering it. The other area that I often talk with clients about is when you're thinking about that behavior, that outcome behavior, some of those beacon metrics, it's important to think about what is the behavior that I'm looking for from that person that is linked to a key business outcome. So again, that behavior may be different for a retail customer than it is from a client, another business. So you can't just automatically say, oh, I'm going to use NPS, I'm going to use ease, I'm going to use one of the metrics that are popular because everyone else is using them. It's important to really think about what is it that I want this customer to do as a result of having high quality experiences with us and think about what are the appropriate outcomes based on that. And can I add one thing there? Because Pete, that's a really important distinction. I think what makes a B2B company important is that when you are serving businesses, you often have fewer customers, you have much, much longer decision cycles, and you have this group of decision makers in your customers. And that's what makes measurement a bit different. One of the ways this comes out is, for example, also if you're trying to use metrics to make the case for customer experience. We have a report that's actually called How B2B Companies Make the Case for Customer Experience. Because when you have long decision-making cycles, then you can't really talk about the impact that a customer experience improvement has in the next month. You have to think about what are long-term impacts of customer experience improvements. So that, that length of decision-making is usually a bigger problem in B2B of course, if you are in the life insurance industry, you are selling to consumers and you have that same problem. But when you look at these three factors that I just mentioned earlier, right, how many clients you have, how long the decision-making cycles are, and whether you are facing a group of decision-makers, that's typically what we consider as a kind of core B2B. And as you mentioned, the business case is a bit different. How you reach out is a bit different. Are there any traps that B2C can fall into? It's not that they have it easier, right? They still have to be thoughtful about how they think about measurement. One thing that comes to mind that I always think we as measurement people have to be extremely careful about applies especially to B2C. So we are trying very hard to be very numbers oriented and grown up as a business function. And we report these numbers, these statistics. My satisfaction score is 58. My NPS is 32. And where are the humans in that? 
they're completely gone from that equation, right? So in B2C, that is even more of a risk because we're talking about such a big group of people. It's very easy to lose yourself in the aggregate. So making sure that when you talk about these metrics, that you report stuff about humans, like 10,000 people are super unhappy is much different than the share of people who is very unhappy is 20%. You know what I mean? That's the kind of stuff that we need to do. Don't report in percentages. Try to keep the human in there, even if the groups of people, customers, we talk about are very large. And along those same lines, we kind of touched upon this earlier, is the idea that we build these large, sometimes complicated programs, VOC programs, and programs will stop with the metrics. They'll prepare the dashboard, they'll spit it out there for everyone to see, and then that's kind of it. And there's maybe a little bit of discussion about, oh, what should our score be? How are our competitors if there's benchmarking information? But they're not moving beyond the data to really think about, okay, what do we do next? How do we explore this data in more detail, in more richness to understand some of the root causes of the scores, looking at different customer segments, different lines of business, things like that to really understand more about the data. So a lot of the questions that we get are from people that have, again, very sophisticated measurement programs, but are having difficulty moving beyond just the measurement and getting to the, right, now what? What do we do about it? Right. They've kind of forgotten that CX people are the advocates for customers. We shall not forget that with all the focus on numbers that we're trying to create. So in terms of what's next, what's next for you guys? What are you most excited about working on for 2023? I'm super excited about continuing the research and journey measurement. We talked about journeys as a bit of a stepchild of measurement earlier. And Joanna de Quintanilla and I have done already a lot of work on tools and reports on journey measurement, and we're going to continue that this year. So I'm excited about that. Pete, what are you excited, most excited about? So I'm continuing some work on our devotees and really deepening the conversation there to think about how can companies develop a customer strategy that aligns with the organization strategy that helps build more devotees. The idea here is not to think about devotees as we define them, but thinking about this group of customers that really has a strong alignment with the experience, with the brand, and from the organization's perspective, we see a real strong benefit as well. The idea there is looking at your customer more holistically, understanding more about them, and how do we grow more of them. The other thing that I've been starting to think about is how we define, how we think about loyalty. And with this, I'm taking more of an outside-in view. We started out the research by talking to consumers and asking them, when you think of being loyal to a company and a company being loyal to you, what does that look like? So it's exploring this idea of reciprocity and not only understanding from the company's viewpoint, what do I want from a loyal customer? But again, thinking, what does a customer expect? And we're working on a new framework that really goes beyond just the behavioral and emotional components or elements of loyalty that we've thought about. I think this will be an interesting framework for organizations who want to better understand the relationships that they have with their customers and think about what type of relationship do I want to build with those customers. Both of those will be coming out in the first half. Quick call for everybody who's listening. There's also more business case research. Let us know what would be helpful for you in measurement, in business case, for customer experience. We'll do our best to produce that research for you. Really cool new stuff coming. As Maxi said, contact us if you've got more ideas for what you want. I think we could talk about this all day, and we'd love to have you guys back when you've got some of this published to explain a bit more deeply about the devotees research or journey measurement research. So I'm sure you will be both back on the podcast very soon. It just remains to say thank you, Angelina, my co-host, and thank you to Pete and Maxi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
nice to spend some time with you. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forster.com or message us on Twitter at cx underscore cast. As always, you can find us at www.thecxcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights.